highest of heights to the depths of the sea. Amaziah, the son of Joash, king of Judah, became king. He was 25 years old when he became king, and he reigned 29 years in Jerusalem. And his mother name, mother's name was Jehoiadon of Jerusalem. And he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord, yet not like his father David. He did everything as his father Joash had done. However, the high places were not taken away. And the people still sacrificed and burnt incense on the high places. Welcome, everyone, and thank you for joining us. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with senior pastor and teacher, Rob Kellogg. Amaziah, son of the great reformer Joash, continued the generally godly reign that his father began. Compared to Joash, Amaziah faithfully continued his policies, yet some of those policies allowed compromises, such as allowing the continued sacrifices and incense offerings on the high places. Compared to David, the greatest human king to reign over the people of God, Amaziah did not match up favorably. Now let's join Pastor Rob as he begins our study in chapter 14 in the book of 2 Kings. 2 Kings 14. You know, as we go through the book of Kings, uh, you've heard me say this, I think this will be the third time that I've mentioned this, but I I really uh, mean this because as we go through the book of Kings, we, we, we see very similar things that we saw in Judges. Meaning where the, where the nation is doing well and then, or maybe they're not doing so well and they cry out to God. God raises up a deliverer for them. And then they do well and then they forget about God. <laughs> Have you ever noticed that refrain in, in, in life as human beings? It's only when we cry out to God that we're, we get really religious. You know, people get really religious when they find out they're in a mess. And then all of a sudden, God becomes part of the vocabulary uh, all of a sudden, just out of the blue, he comes, he shows up, and, and now you're like, oh, God, if you will just help me, I'll do anything, you know. If you, if you do this, God, then I'll, you know, if you, if you bring my wife back to me, you know, Lord, I'll give you my life. I'll give you, I'll give you my Porsche 911, all three of them, Lord, in the different colors, and I'll give everything to you. And God's going, okay, I've heard this before. And then he does something. He brings deliverance. He Brings the thing that you're hoping for. And then it's not long after that, we start going downhill again. We start relying on our flesh, start falling into our sin habits, whatever it may be. And just like in Judges, that was the way it was. It was like a roller coaster. Same thing here in the book of Kings. And it's really depressing, actually. Uh, even though there's a lot for us to learn in uh, Kings, First and Second Kings, There's a lot for us to learn about ourselves because there's something that's true about man, and that is we are all the same. God has fashioned our hearts alike. In other words, we all have this propensity. We want the same things. Everybody wants to be loved. Everybody wants to be respected. Everybody wants to be taken care of. 
And these are just normal things that are just part of us being in the flesh, you know. And, um, but you know, uh, we're also the same in that we are sinners, every one of us. And aren't you glad you came to hear that tonight? But uh, I'm one of them. And I'm so glad that God has saved me, and I'm so glad that he's touched your life. Otherwise, you wouldn't be sitting in these seats tonight on a Thursday night when it's cold and dark and there's ice on the road. You know, what brings you here? The word of God brings you here. Jesus has brought you here. And where else would we be? I mean, think of it. Where else would we be before we came to Christ? We would, none of us would be here. We'd be following our own pursuits, but Christ has united us and brought us together. And he is the unifier. He's the one who unifies us, the body of Christ, worldwide. You can go anywhere in the world and you can be unified with the body of Christ because you, have, you serve the same God. The same spirit that dwells in people in Manila, in the Philippines, is the same spirit of God that's dwelling in our hearts. And we can fly over there. We can charter a plane and fly over to Manila and land and get out and go to a church and find believers and we just sink right in with them. We may not know their language. They may sing different songs, but the heart is the same. And so we're all the same. And, and as we look at these men and these, a uh, few women, as we look at these men and the kings, we see that they're really no different than us in the flesh. And only those who rise above the crust of normal humanity uh, and, and they give their hearts to God or they trust in Jehovah God they rise above all of, the, all of the, all the other stuff. And they live lives that are supernatural. And God does really wonderful things in their lives. And, and tonight as we look at chapter 14, we're going to see that God is a God of grace. Again, God just showing off his grace in the lives of these men. Ungodly men. And God showing his grace over and over again. Never think that the Old Testament is just... A different God. I've heard Christians say that, that the God of the Old Testament is different from the God of the New Testament. The God of the Old Testament is just an angry God in the, in the heavens, just with a hammer, just waiting for somebody to mess up. He just, he's got this itchy thing, and he's got, he just wants to smash something. That, that's the view that some people have of God, that he just, he just wants to ruin your fun. He wants to destroy you because you're just not like him. But the, that couldn't be further from the truth. That's man's ugly heart. That's superimposing our imperfect, our imperfection upon him. And even when he is angry, his anger is perfect. And his anger is measured. And it's not out of control. He is always in control. Even when he's angry. Remember when Jesus went into the temple to cleanse the temple? Twice he did it. Once at the beginning of his ministry in John's Gospel, and then at the end of his ministry, he did the same thing again. Was he freaking out and out of control? No, he was very much in control. And nobody got hurt. Read the passage again and, and, and find out, did, did he whip anybody with cords, even though he used them to get their attention? Does the Bible says that he chased out a bunch of Jews and lashed them with a cat of nine tails? No, it doesn't say that. Perfect control. Perfect control. So let's read um, this 14th chapter. And let's just read down to... uh, 
Well, down to just verse 22 really quickly. Just to get the context, because if I start off, uh, it won't make um, as much sense as if we read through it once. So notice, in the second year of Joash, the son of Jehoiahaz, king of Israel, Amaziah, the son of Joash, king of Judah, became king. He was 25 years old when he became king, and he reigned 29 years in Jerusalem. And his mother's name was Jehoiadon of Jerusalem. And he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord, yet not like his father David. He did everything as his father Joash had done. However, the high places were not taken away, and the people still sacrificed and burnt incense on the high places. Now it happened as soon as the kingdom was established in his hand that he executed his servants who had murdered his father, the king. But the children of the murderers he did not execute according to what is written in the book of the law of Moses in which the Lord commanded, saying, Fathers shall not be put to death for their children, nor shall children be put to death for their fathers, but a person shall be put to death for his own sin. And he killed 10,000 Edomites in the valley of Salt and took Selah by war and called its name Jokthiel to this day. And then Amaziah sent messengers to Jehoash, the son of Jehoiahaz, the son of Jehu, king of Israel, saying, Come, let us face one another in battle. And Jehoash, king of Israel, sent to Amaziah, king of Judah, saying, The thistle said, or the thistle that was in Lebanon, excuse me, sent to the cedar that was in Lebanon, saying, Give your daughter to me. Uh, to my son as wife, and a wild beast that was in Lebanon passed by and trampled the thistle. You have indeed defeated Edom, and your heart has lifted you up. Glory in that, and stay home. For why should you meddle with trouble so that you fall, you and Judah with you? But Amaziah would not heed. Therefore Jehoash, king of Israel, went out. And so he and uh, Amaziah, king of Judah, faced one another at Beth Shemesh, which belongs to Judah, And Judah was defeated by Israel, and every man fled to his tent. And then Jehoash, king of Israel, captured Amaziah, king of Judah, the son of Jehoash, the son of Ahaziah, at Beth Shemesh, and went to Jerusalem and broke down the wall of Jerusalem. From the gate of Ephraim to the corner gate, 400 cubits, And he took all the gold and all the silver and all the articles that were found in the house of the Lord and in the treasury, treasuries of the king's house and hostages and returned to Samaria. Now the rest of the acts of Jehoash, which he did, his might and how he fought with Amaziah, king of Judah, are they not written in the book of the chronicles of the kings of Israel? So Jehoash rested with his fathers and was buried in Samaria with the kings of Israel. And then Jeroboam, his son, reigned in his place. And Amaziah, the son of Joash, king of Judah, lived 15 years after the death of Jehoash, the son of Jehoiahaz, king of Israel. Now the rest of the acts of Amaziah, are they not written in the books of the chronicles of the kings of Judah? And they formed a conspiracy against him in Jerusalem, and he fled to Lachish. But they sent after him to Lachish and killed him there, and then they brought him on horses, and he was buried at Jerusalem with his father's in the city of David, and all the people of Judah took Azariah, who was 16 years old, and made him king instead of his father Amaziah. He built, he built Elath and restored it to Judah after the king rested with his fathers. 
So an interesting passage and uh, very uh, common uh, sort of beginnings. Uh, the Lord admonishing the king for the things that he did right and um, and and not uh, and then uh, not commending him for the things that he did wrong. Let's go back to verse uh, one now in uh, chapter fourteen. So the second year of Jehoash, uh, the son of Jehoiahaz, the king of Israel. This was the king of Israel who reigned from seven hundred ninety-eight BC to seven eighty-two BC. And Amaziah, for those of you who take notes, he reigned from 796 B.C. to 767 B.C. And notice he was 25 years old when he became king, and he reigned 29 years in Jerusalem. And his mother's name was Jehoadan of Jerusalem, and he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord, yet not like his father David. He did everything as his father Joash had done. Now, when you see this uh, phrase, his father, you, you remember that David predated uh, these men by a couple hundred years, right? And so um, when it says his father, this word, you, you'll see it in, uh, all throughout the Bible in the Old Testament. And it speaks about his ancestors. Obviously, David is an ancestor of, of, um, of the king that we're talking about, right? Amaziah. He's, a, he's a, an ancestor of his. But then his immediate father was Joash, right? And so, um, and it's interesting that it's referring to uh, the progenitor of the dynasty and speaking of his ancestor, uh, not literally his father. So, um, just like his father, Amaziah, started off well, but he didn't finish well. And you remember uh, last week we, we talked about that and starting well, but not finishing well. And God would have us to start well and, and to continue being fruitful throughout our life. You know, um, it's important to do that, not just to begin and then end horribly. I mean, we see that even in the life of Solomon. You know, he started off really well, and as he went on, his... You know, he did what was against the word of God, and he amassed wives to himself. He had over a thousand wives, seven hundred wives, three hundred concubines, and they ruined him. They they really led him uh, into idolatry because he would marry these women from all these different places and countries around him, making these alliances with all these people around. But those women were serving ungodly uh, idols. And, and, and they basically, I'm sure, you know, had the big crocodile tears. You know, you serve Jehovah, but what about my God, Molech? Right? And so, and so I'm sure he's hearing this over and over. He's like, okay, I'll build you a temple to Molech. You know, and then one thing leads to another. And pretty soon they lead him away from God. They lead him away. But we always have to be careful about how we live, right? Because we know that others are watching whether we like it or not. As fathers, as grandfathers, as some of you are, we ought to be the best example you know, to those kids and grandkids so that they will have the best chance, the very best chance in this wicked culture and wicked world that we live in to walk with the Lord and enjoy the blessings of obedience, and that's so important. You know, Ephesians, Paul says, See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. 
Walking circumspectly is walking in such a way where you're aware of what's going on around you. You understand that you are in a fishbowl and that people are looking at you because you're the believer. You're the one who claims to believe in Christ. And so they are looking at your lives. And it's important how we respond to everything as they see, as they look at us. Because we're not perfect. But, you know, when we go through troubles, where do we go? How do we respond? You know, because they go through the same things. But there ought to be a difference in the life of an unbeliever, how they respond and the things that they say and do versus the same thing happening to a believer, how we respond and the things that we say and do. There ought to be a marked difference. And they deserve to see a difference. And although we cannot guarantee what the next generation will do, we can't. But it's our mandate to walk the walk that they might follow us. And unfortunately, Amaziah didn't really improve over what his father had done either. He walked in the same path and he didn't seek to go higher. He only went where his father went. He, he, didn't, he didn't excel above that. And see, th- that's the sad thing about the church is that, you know, you know, young person, you know, if you're listening or you hear this later on, or some of you in the room, you know, don't settle for where your parents are at, especially if they don't know Christ. Seek to go way high above and hopefully bring them up to you. Don't think that just because they're their father or your mother that you, you, certainly you respect them, but you fly high with Christ and then you bring them up. Don't allow them to keep you down. And, and, and that's kind of what can happen if we're not careful. We need to rise above. We need to rise above. Notice in verse 4, back in our text, it says, this Amaziah, he didn't remove the high places, he didn't take them away, and the people still sacrificed, and they burnt incense on these high places. And this was true of Amaziah earlier in uh, chapter 12 and 13. He did the same thing. He didn't take away the high places. There was one place that they were to worship God, and where was that? What city were they split? Yes, Jerusalem. Back in Deuteronomy, God says, I will place my name there, and when I do, that's the place that I want to be worshipped. And by the way, this is how I ought to be worshipped. Don't make it up and just, you know, don't be like Nadab and Abihu. They just kind of got bored of doing the same thing over and over again. God's like, well, you know what? Just Just do what I told you to do. It's not supposed to be your entertainment. Worship is not entertainment. You worship God according to what he says, how he ought to be worshipped. We don't get bored in it and try to make things up and decide, you know, I just, I'm getting so tired of this offering, the same offering, you know, the trespass offering, you know, the, the free will offering. We need something. We need some spice. Let's take one of those flares. Set it down next to the thing and let the flame, you know, the flame, the red hot sparks, and you know, and, and that's where their heart was. I, I'm not content just doing what God wants. I want what's in it for me. And God's like, well, it's not about you. And see, that's the wonderful thing about worship is when it's not when we totally understand and get it, it's not about us. And that's why be very careful. And I'm going off on a rabbit trail, but bear with me. When you go to a church and all you see is the worship team, or you go to some place and the band is hot and the lights are happening, and man, you're just like, wow, it's like a concert. And then you come back because you want that thriller, you want that concert feel. Is that worship? 
Now, maybe it is. I mean, because the hearts of the people up on that platform, you don't know their hearts. But sometimes it can be so over the top that it's obviously the flesh. But is it about us, how we feel about worship? Or is it about him? Is it about Christ? So many people go to church because of the hot worship team. Or they go to church because of the fancy preacher or whoever he is, the way, you know, his persona, his personality. And every person has a personality. You can't deny it. I've got a personality, whether you like it or not. I've got my own the way I'm, I'm me. And there's no, you know, and other people are different. But we've got to see beyond all that stuff. And we've got to think, Lord, this is about you. All of this, everything, even reading tonight is about him because we, we're basically listening to what God has spoken to us. We're learning a great deal about history, but we're also learning a lot about ourselves and, and how God relates to people in these conditions. And, and it's a book of redemption. It's a book of grace. And we're going to see that tonight. So verse 5, it says that it happened as soon as the king, as Ahaziah was established in his uh, in his, uh, in his hand, uh, the, the kingdom was established in his hand, that he executed his servants who had murdered his father, the king. And remember back in chapter 12 of this book, and also in Second Chronicles chapter 24, verse 20, it says that Joash had murdered Zechariah. Remember Zechariah? He was the, the high priest who became high priest because his, um, his father... Um, you know, had, had died, and now Zechariah becomes the high priest, and, and, uh, and Joash murders Zechariah after all that Jehoiada, his father, had done for him. And you can listen to the last couple of weeks to, to kind of get that. But Joash had slipped into idolatry, and Zechariah warned Joash of, of Judah, warned him what he, about what he was doing. So Joash killed him. Even though Zechariah's father, again, Jehoiada, was so gracious to him and restored the kingdom to him from Athaliah, who was going to murder him, had it not been for Jehoiada. So, you know, Joash uh, owed a lot to this older man in the faith, Jehoiada, the, the high priest. And then when Jehoiada died, the real true colors of the king came out and and then when his son assumed that position, he killed him because he didn't like what he was saying. Now, in, in Second Chronicles, uh, chapter 24, beginning in verse 25, let me just read it to you. You can write that off in the margin of your Bible. Second Chronicles 24, verse 25 through 26. It says, And when they had withdrawn from him... For they had left him severely wounded, his own servants, and this is what it was, uh, his own servants conspired against him because of the blood of the sons of Jehoiada the priest and killed him on his bed. So, the, the, and so he died and they buried him in the city of David, but they did not bury him in the tombs of the kings. And these are the ones who conspired against him. Zabad, the son of Shemaeth, and the Ammonites, and Jehozabad, the son of Shimrith, the Moabitess. So these two men, these servants of Joash murdered him because of how he killed Zechariah, the high priest. Even after all that his father had done for him. Very ungrateful young man.
That's the end of our lesson for today, but please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of 2 Kings. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m., Monday through Friday, at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office you can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester's sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Podcast or Apple Podcast. You're also invited to join us on Sunday and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link on the website. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you with your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.